1: Hello and welcome to Star Wars Action News, episode 414. This is Marjorie.
2: And this is Arnie. And it's been a while since we've had a regular in-studio show. The last two have been year-in-review shows. And if you had subscribed to our enhanced podcast, you're now watching our video podcast. This is our second video podcast. The first one we kind of snuck out. We announced it on Facebook and the forums, but if you just subscribed and didn't hit our forums then you didn't know we have switched over to a video podcast now
1: yeah it's kind of fun. it's a whole new way of looking at things and it's not gonna leave anyone out in the cold yeah
2: and we will still have the audio format available for anyone who can't handle high-def video but Apple was doing away with their enhanced podcast, it seems. They took a lot of features out of their new software that allowed enhanced podcasts. And I went to our enhancers, Barrett, who's been enhancing for years. And then he got some help from Daryl and Shane and Andrew. And they were all on board with taking the extra time to just take it to the next level and make it a video podcast. And so we wanted to do that. the show and we didn't say anything about it we've switched over as of the first of the year wanted to make sure all the kinks were out we could actually pull it off before we announced it but now you'll be able to watch star wars action news and see moving pictures of the items we discuss So thanks guys for all your hard work and listeners we hope you enjoy the show and we know there may be a couple technological hiccups as there always are with these new things and if you have problems just let us know so in case we're not aware we can try to work them out on our end. And this is our first normal show since Christmas. It seems like Christmas has been so long ago. Although it seems like just yesterday they stopped playing the commercials for it.
1: Yes, it's been a while since Christmas has been over, but it still seems to be hanging around for some reason.
2: Probably the weather, too. But we have some thanks to give out.
1: I'd like to send a big thanks to my secret Santa, Bo. He sent me a super cool, and I'm going to butcher what this is called, and I apologize amigurumi doll it was jar jar it's one of those crocheted dolls that you see the little tiny ones that people make into characters he sent me the jar jar of that and it's so cute and so adorable and he also sent me a jar jar watch where his tongue is the hour hand
2: yeah I, i i thought that was seconds we need to get batteries for it but it is very cool that vintage episode one era kind of stuff wow i just called episode one vintage
1: yes you did it is not vintage
2: 14 years old and i need to give a huge shout out to jeremy my secret santa he absolutely loaded me up with stuff very very cool stuff a couple of the lego series 2 planet sets but then some really awesome vintage kind of knickknacks miscellaneous items a vintage return of the jedi yoda billfold still on the original card just a amazingly fun little thing i love the old art some presto magics return of the jedi job of the hut throne room color transfers still in the original package
1: I had ones like that when I was little, and they're so much fun.
2: Empire Strikes Back Dixie Cups, an unopened box.
1: That's really cool.
2: Original market price at grocery, (laughs) $1.59. These have a Boba Fett cup. I just love the art style on these.
1: I know. There's nothing like that art in that 70s style.
2: And then a completely awesome vintage Star Wars record tote. I think it's from the Empire Strikes Back era, as it's got Yoda and Bespin and... Chewbacca so it's at least that era and it still has the index card where you put all of your little 45 rpms and you can list out the artist and the title and this is actually cool because I have some 45 rpm star wars records I am going to keep it in the record tote now I now have a place to keep my small record albums
1: What's funny is I almost bought that for you about two years ago for Christmas, but I couldn't find one in good enough condition for you.
2: And then he sent me three Saga 2 action figures that I'd had trouble finding back in the day. I was never really able to find that General's Wave. So he sent me General Lando, General Maydeen, and ATST driver Han Solo. So Jeremy, thank you so much. You also sent this amazing letter that just really touched me. So thank you, and I hope you had a good holiday as well. And Katie's super cute, too, by the way. Now, I got Marjorie a couple of Star Wars items for Christmas, as I do every year since they've started. I got her the exclusive Her Universe pin. This year, it was Jake Art Vader that they added a Santa hat to.
1: Yep, those are really cute. I'm going to have to find something festive to wear those on, or maybe I'll put them on a stocking or something, Since you had to buy something to get the pin, you got me the Han Solo retro tee, which I thought was really cool. It's like an old style iron on transfer kind of thing. Not caring for too many of the designs lately. I don't think they're geared towards someone like me, maybe for little kids or moms who want to fit in with their kids. I don't know. but
2: I actually had a real hard time finding something that you would like, and I ended up just calling you and I was thinking about getting you the sleep set.
1: I thought about that, but I don't know how I feel about that little Vader on there.
2: So in the end, we were just kind of looking through together, and I think you knew what you were getting ahead of time, but I always get you that pin, so... Besides, I knew I had you surprised another way.
1: Yes, you got me something completely out of left field that, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of look for off and on. And you don't really think about too hard.
2: I've had an eBay saved search for this for two years.
1: Well, I want to point out, here's my rules of collecting, which differ from yours vastly, which maybe <laughs> is why we work. But I'm a kind of a casual collector when it comes to something I see with Jar Jar on it, like... I got to find a bargain because most of that stuff moves dirt cheap. Sometimes people just give you extra Jar Jar stuff because they don't want it anymore and it doesn't sell.
2: That's happened to you more than once. Lynn's Toy Stable and a couple of toy shows. They're like, here, take more Jar Jar.
1: Yeah, usually they just give it to me. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. I'll give them a good home. So it's, it's kind of like I just take my time and find the right piece. And you got me something, which I can't believe you found one. And it's turned into be kind of a mess, but fun.
2: There are two items I've had eBay save searches for for years, and I credit slash blame Duncan Jenkins for this.
1: (laughs) It's always Duncan's fault.
2: Because Duncan has the awesome, awesome, weird Star Wars collectibles panel that we went to twice at two different celebrations. We were so inspired by his first one, and we went to the second one. And there's two items there that he discussed, and they are so weird. Actually, there's three that I just really wanted them for our collection. One is the Death Star pencil sharpener that is multicolored, like disco colored. Never found one, not even seen one come up on eBay. I'm searching for Death Star pencil. Every so often I get like car parts or something like that. You get weird hits when you search descriptions. Yes, you do. The second one is the C-3PO tape dispenser where the tape comes out from between his legs.
1: Yes, where he's like straddling and riding the tape.
2: Like it's a recumbent bicycle? Yeah. But the third one, and this one I wanted more for you than for me because you have the Jar Jar Focus collection, is the Jar Jar Monster Tongue Candy.
1: Yes, I really wanted that. So, you know, it looks like you make out with Jar Jar when you're sucking on the candy.
2: And every so often one would come up on eBay, but it would never have the candy. And (laughs) I never knew why. I mean, I kind of guessed why, but... When in November, one came up with the candy, I knew what I was going to stuff in your stocking come Christmas. <laughs> Wait, you're going to stuff Jar Jar's tongue in my stocking? Yes. And it did arrive and it had the tongue in there and I looked at it and I kind of chuckled to myself and I wrapped it up and I didn't pay too close of attention to it. Perhaps you should have. Because when you opened it up, oops. It was a sticky, sticky, gooey mess. Now... I'm not quite sure where things all went wrong, <laughs> but the tongue candy, which I believe 14 years ago was hard like a lollipop.
1: I'm guessing, but I accidentally got some on my hand and it smells like Robitussin, so I don't know how much joy this candy would bring somebody.
2: Probably that sickly cherry flavor, aged 14 years, but in the 14 years, the chemical composition had broken down. This sugar was no longer in its solid state, but instead in a gelatinous semi-liquid state.
1: It was this weird goo that was red and really sticky and created this mess everywhere.
2: And it was in this wrapper that wrapped over the tongue like a Jar Jar Dental dam, (laughs) and it would squish inside. Well, when Marjorie got the tongue candy item and started pushing the plunger in and out to see the tongue extend as it is because it has a mouth closed position and then you plunge it like a syringe and the tongue juts out at you like from the movie alien like the second set of jaws it's disgusting but you hit it and the tongue fell out of his mouth
1: (laughs) yeah it did it it's It's held on a stick by the stickiness of it, for lack of a better term.
2: Like a lollipop. Yes,
1: so now that it's turned to like a gelatinous glue, it's not holding on so well. So
2: I had to, because we wanted to photograph this collectible, I use that term very loosely in this case, I had to shove this spongy tongue back on the pole, and because there's a hole in the wrapper where it comes out, it's leaking this sticky, viscous, red fluid. And everywhere that you touch it, becomes this. it's actually much how I would picture Jar Jar in real life. Sticky from head to toe.
1: We had to keep it on paper towel in the freezer to hopefully stem some of this carnage that was flying out of it. Unfortunately, it just became frozen messy goo.
2: I don't think it ever froze. I think its freezing point over time has... Dropped below the temperature of our freezer because we took it out of the freezer and it was just cold weird goo that I'm trying to shove back on this stick. So we got it up there. I laid out a special blanket because sure enough, when I removed it from the photo studio, it left Jar Jar residue on this cloth.
1: Yeah, he's been kind of a... A little bit challenging to take care of. and We're going to throw away that tongue.
2: The tongue, I double-bagged it, which technically is triple-bagged since it came in a bag, and we immediately threw it out because I don't care what somebody on Facebook says. I'm not eating this 14-year-old candy that is just so nasty-smelling and has just been a sticky, sticky nightmare.
1: And I still love it. I don't care. I think it's an awesome gift. So what I'm going to do is... We've thrown the tongue away, and there's still the stick in there. I thought I could go get some Fimo clay and make a new tongue, possibly that'll still function, because what I can do is I can shape it, get the hole in there for the stick, bake it, and then slide it on, and you'll still have the functioning weird tongue thing.
2: Yeah, I think that's the best thing to do, and in the meantime, I don't know if every piece of candy will break down over 14 years, but... I do still have that eBay save search in case another one with tongue comes up. And I will ask the condition of the tongue next time.
1: Do you think it's going to last any longer? That's what I'm confused on. I mean, do you really think if you get one where the tongue condition is great that something's going to miraculously happen and it's not going to deteriorate? Don't get me another one. This one's fine. We had some fun with it. We had, what? couple weeks of fun. Sticky, sticky fun. Yes. And we're going to fix it. Just the candy idea is not going to last. Just forget (laughs) that, okay?
2: I think this should serve, and perhaps every year on Star Wars Action News, on the first podcast of the year, we should have a public service announcement to look at your collectibles. And I think about the horror stories. The people who collected the Pepsi cans and didn't open them, and then those cans were eaten through by the soda inside... Only to drip down and not only ruin the cans, but ruin whatever was stored near the soda. And this Jar Jar candy, which could have ruined my photo backdrop had I not proactively put down a blanket.
1: Stain the carpet. What else do you want to talk about it ruining?
2: And batteries. Batteries. I think once a year we should public service announcement, take the batteries out of your toys. Now, this is something where I'm saying do as I say, not as I do. But as I inventory my collection, anything that came with batteries in it, I'm going to be opening up and being dang sure I remove those batteries because they will corrode. And if you are buying something like a power of the force to add at, that had the batteries in it and you're buying it mint in mint box, good luck because (laughs) the chances are in the past 20 years – More often than not, those batteries are going to start leaking.
1: They are. Absolutely, that's what batteries do. You're going to get that nasty battery acid in there, and it's dangerous. It's not just an aesthetic thing, but it's dangerous.
2: And it doesn't take very long. I had a computer mouse that was battery-powered, and I didn't use it for about six months. I go to use it, the batteries inside had corroded, just being stored in my office, and I had a multi-week cleaning process of getting this corrosion out of there trying to resurrect the $60 mouse.
1: And you can do it. It's just not a great process. And it's really, you got to be
2: careful because it's not safe. And it can damage the plastic around it as well. And it can damage the electronics. You may not be able to resurrect it. I was able to resurrect the mouse, but your mileage may vary. So a public service announcement, batteries... Food, these things, they were never meant to be collectibles, and in the end, they can harm your other collectibles. So that's the public service announcement for 2014. Take out your batteries and pitch your food. And that's exactly what I'm going to start doing immediately with all new food acquisitions, because we just bought in our store report... The 2014 Star Wars Valentines hit shelves at Toys R Us.
1: Yeah, Toys R Us had Valentine's Day stuff out before anyone else. Target still doesn't have it out. They were just resetting it when I was there a few weeks ago. There's not much that's been new in the Star Wars Valentines lately. The last few years, they keep rehashing the same thing with the artwork of the year. This time we got some lollipops that you give. But we're going to throw the lollipops away.
2: I am indeed going to be... Removing the lollipops from this and...
1: Ants, bugs, critters.
2: Or in 14 years, just turning into a liquid goo that will then destroy the Valentines themselves, the box they're in, and anything else that it's stored with.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
2: But in stores, we were able to get some post-Christmas bargains. The place that I actually did... The majority of my shopping in quantity, if not in dollars, was of all places that craft store Michaels. Now, I know it's a national chain, but I don't think it's absolutely everywhere.
1: Michaels, yes, they are. Okay. Yeah, coast to coast. Oh, okay. Like Space Ghost.
2: Well, they had in their clearance section a bunch of Star Wars miscellaneous items, a giant pen and some various stuff. I'm trying to buy less junk and focus. Let's
1: go back. uh, By giant pen, you mean a pen that is like 18 inches long and two inches in diameter. Yes. Okay. It is a giant pen.
2: I don't know how you could ever write something with this. I ended up just picking up a few lenticular items. They had some lenticular stickers that for a dollar, that was their clearance price. I was like, yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar.
1: Yeah, you will buy anything for a dollar. I'm thoroughly
2: convinced. They also had lenticular notebook journals that were little spiral-bound notebooks for a dollar. And then they had larger hardcover journals that were kind of nice. They had the elastic strap to put around them. And they had four of those. Those were $5 a piece. Although I find it very amusing. The inside cover of one of them was printed upside down on both pages. It has X-Wing fighters upside down both pages sides of the cover. That's odd. And then my find, which I didn't even know existed, and my character focus is Han and Carbonite, very specific. It's a character in a specific block of carbon. <laughs> Not just any block of carbon. <laughs> that specific block of carbon. But at Michael's they had a Han and Carbonite poster that was three feet long by twelve inches <laughs> wide.
1: It's funnier than hell. <laughs> it's the most bizarre bizarre poster. Why would you want a poster that size? It is
2: to the carbonite dimensions. It doesn't bother with any wasted space. It is just Han. And if you don't know, Michael's in every Sunday newspaper puts a 50% off coupon.
1: Uh, Wrong. Sometimes it's 40% off.
2: Oh, well, I had a 50% off coupon that day. And so I was (laughs) able to get this poster for a $5. They had another one that I believe was also 3 feet by 12 inches that was a lightsaber one. It had a bunch of Jedi and Sith. It had Ki-Adi-Mundi, and he doesn't get on a poster very often. He
1: doesn't, and there's a reason for that.
2: But the 50% off coupon only applied to one poster, so maybe the next time they have the 50% off coupon, you know, Sunday, I'll go back and see if the other one's still sitting there. <laughs>
1: what are you waiting for? You don't even need to wait till Sunday. Just go online and print it out. <laughs> they put it online all the time.
2: I actually was really stupid because the lady didn't try to take my coupon and I'm like, oh, don't you want this? And I could have just taken the coupon with me and gotten back in line. And
1: They are one of the stores whose business model is let's mark everything either on sale or put a coupon out.
2: But beyond that, I didn't find a whole lot of post-Christmas clearances. I actually went into Five Below. They did not mark down their vintage figures. They are fully stocked. Now, for those who don't know, Five Below is not a national chain, but it is a rapidly growing chain. It's the new breed of dollar stores. Inflation, a dollar (laughs) store is now a $5 store. But they are loaded up with Hasbro figures. I wonder what it means when even Five Below can't sell Walmart's exclusive 3D figures that come with those 3D glasses.
1: Well, Walmart is still hanging on to them in some stores, too.
2: Yeah, I still see them at full price, around $10 at Walmarts. I see them for $5 at Five Below, and Five Below, I think they're moving very slowly. It's a glacial pace, (laughs) but it's really eye-opening to me that I can go into Five Below and find most of the main characters. I can find your Vader, I can find your Luke, your Han, the ones that... Hasbro say they have to keep on the pegs because it's what kids want, and it's what parents buy. And I could also find clone troopers for all those troop builders. They are sitting at my five below. I also can find astromechs and aliens. And if they aren't selling, and I realize that we collectors all bought them at full price when Phantom Menace 3D came out a couple years ago, but... If these won't sell to the average person for $5, how is it that Hasbro thinks they're going to be able to move them at the $10 to $12 price point by re-releasing the same characters on Black Series cards? It's a troubling thing for me. It makes me think, as we said in our year-in-review shows, 2014, we are really going to be treading water here.
1: Yeah, and this is all very fascinating. I mean, is this what it was like, the dead times?
2: Look at all these Return of the Jedi... And Power of the Force 1 vintage figures that you pay so much money for that have price tags on them where they started at $299 and then were marked down to $249, $199. I remember probably 1984, 1985 going to the mall, Circus World, having a huge bin of Star Wars figures for a dollar. Did you buy that for a dollar? I didn't. I was out of Star Wars. I was into Masters of the Universe and things. Star Wars, that was old stuff to me by 84, 85. I cannot remember which year. But all of these figures that now I'm paying so much money for, admittedly, I'm hopefully getting better condition than in a large bin at Circus World.
1: But at some point, they'll be in a bin. Yeah. At Five Below.
2: Five Below normally had bins when they first started doing Star Wars figures. Now they're on pegs. But yeah, I mean this is exactly what it was like back then is they had the huge bins where they were trying to clearance these figures out for a dollar. And I also felt really old. One thing I was looking for after Christmas was some Legos. <laughs> and I w-
1: why do Legos make you feel old?
2: Oh, the Legos don't. The clerk selling me the Legos do. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we went to Walmart and Toys R Us, and Toys R Us had a buy one, get one 40% off sale, and Walmart had it full price. But at Meyer I found the Lego Rancor Pit for $45. and I'm, You are we-
1: super excited about that.
2: I'd been hunting for it all day, and that was 60 or $70 every place else. So I jumped on it for 45 able to add that to my job as Palace and connect the two when I build them, when I retire, when I'm 66. <laughs>
1: When you suddenly get lots of spare time.
2: And because it was Meyer, I was there grocery shopping with you. And you actually forgot something. And so you left me at checkout. And so I was checking out with this clerk who, she wasn't excessively young. Somewhere in her 20s, I would guess. And she scans my Legos and she picks it up and goes, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker. And she's like, oh, who's that guy? And points at Malakili. And I go, oh, he's the Rancor Keeper. The what? The Rancor Keeper. What? The Rancor? And I point at the Rancor. This is basically his trainer. Okay. Do you like Star Wars? And I go, yeah. And she'd seemed excited by Luke Skywalker. I thought maybe she'd gotten into the movies with the re releases for the special editions or something. So I go, so do you like Star Wars? She goes, no, my father does. I just felt so old. <laughs> Poor Arnie. And then you come up and get carded for liquor.
1: I know, that made me super excited. Yes!
2: Yes, her father, it turned out, was born in a decade that starts with 196, so he was really old, <laughs> according to the clerk. <laughs> it again, though, made me realize that to our generation, I guess Generation X, and maybe the tail end of the boomer generation, Star Wars was so much, but I think it has not clicked with the subsequent generations as much as it has with us and while we do see kids watching clone wars your niece and nephew love clone wars when it was on and
1: they like the first season or two but now they love the original trilogy that's pretty much what they love and my niece has a Pretty awesome Chewbacca impression.
2: Well, your brother's raising them right is what that comes down to. Well,
1: absolutely. He doesn't even want them to know the prequels exist until they're much older and then they can form their own opinions.
2: But I just it doesn't have the universal appeal that the original trilogy did to our generation. And I really look to Disney because Disney can either make Star Wars relevant to the masses again or kill it dead with fire. That seems to be the two options on the table.
1: It's not just going to be with fire. It's going to be a flamethrower with someone standing there squirting some lighter fluid on it.
2: In JJ, we trust.
1: Do we? Star Trek 2. Yeah.
2: Lost. In JJ, we put a little bit of faith. How about that? Uh,
1: cautiously optimistic.
2: That's a good way to phrase it. But the big store news is if you're lucky enough in your area, the Black Series 3 and three-quarter inch Wave 2 has started showing up at quite a few stores, Toys R Us, Target, and Walmart. And I even have some sporadic reports of Wave 3 hitting Walmarts at brick and mortars.
1: Hmm. I've been to quite a few stores lately and I haven't seen anything.
2: Yeah, they've been pretty sparse. It looks like the cases being put out are few and far between, but they are hitting out there and we have them here. I actually got them from Hasbro Toy Shop, but we'll be taking a look at these figures. Wave three is a smaller wave with only five figures, and as with wave two, I do implore you to remember this was supposed to be coming out in conjunction with episode two and three in three D. So perhaps that makes a lot more sense when I say our first figure is Muru,
1: mama?
2: Muru, Muru. I don't know why Chewbacca gets a very cool name, and this guy sounds like a mumbler, but Muru.
1: I don't know how I feel about him, though. I don't think these are as high of quality looking as the ones that came out around Episode 3 with the Wookiees. Something about his dreads and his face. He looks like he's got a smushed face.
2: I like the scale of the figure in relation to the others. He feels nice and tall. But I kind of agree with you that he seems a little bit less stylized than some of the ones we got back then. He's a little bit less colorful. He's very muted, and he doesn't stand out in that way.
1: Yeah, there's only two washes on him, it looks like, like a dark brown and a light brown. And they've done it poorly because it's like his. The back of his bottom legs are dark brown, but the front are light brown, and it just. It looks like they just kind of dipped him in paint. Not the best they've done.
2: I also think that his feet kind of look like he's just wearing really fuzzy slippers. The way that the ankle articulation creates this ridge. And then it just becomes flat on the bottom. But they sculpted toes underneath. I don't know why.
1: That is kind of weird. It does look like fuzzy slippers. You're right.
2: He comes with a removable helmet, a blaster, and a staff that it took me a while to figure out because the staff comes packaged in two pieces. The little blue bejeweled topper comes separate. And I had to look up some pictures online because I wasn't sure if that was the handle or if that was like the end.
1: Seems like kind of a worthless accessory because it doesn't say in his hand very well.
2: No, I pretty much use it like a walking stick and he could just kind of <laughs> have it out in front of him. I don't know. Maroomroo's perhaps 1,200 years old. Room Roo. <laughs> that said, I'm not going to diss him too hard because he is a new Wookiee that we're getting. We haven't gotten any in a long time. It seems like, again, going back to the basic staple of characters, they just do Chewbacca a lot. I like the little arm pauldron he's got going, the little shield that he wears. They did a great job in sculpting his chin dreadlocks.
1: See, I think they look kind of blah. They look kind of just smooth, and I thought at first they were just part of his shirt.
2: Now, if you look, there's some weaving sculpted into there, and the little ridges where his ties are.
1: Yeah, I guess a little bit. With his helmet on, it was kind of hard to tell. The problem is he's got this big like shoulder pad thing on, which makes him look really bad. I didn't know Wookiees had dreads until this, you know, started this with the prequels.
2: He's certainly not an essential character. I'd never heard of Mroo until I heard they were doing a figure of Mroo I don't know if maybe his his name might have been said in the movie and I just thought it was other <laughs> Wookiee babble.
1: Are, are you sure? Because maybe not.
2: But overall, I think this is a pretty good figure. He stands really well with these giant furry feet. I was able to get him in a variety of good poses. The shoulder pauldrons kind of prevent him from doing the arms up Wookiee roar thing they did. We just watched Revenge of the Sith on Spike and saw that scene where they all throw their hands up in the air in a battle cry. And
1: And we questioned the entire scene.
2: Yeah, I still say that that scene didn't add much to the plot. It was there to sell us some toys and hey, it had been 15 minutes since an explosion. But Hey, I'm also a geek enough to enjoy a visit to Kashik outside of the holiday special. But I'd say I give this figure a 7 out of 10. It's well done, if not essential. The second figure kind of freaked me out because I thought I had a horrible, horrible factory mistake. And those of you who have this figure may know what I mean, but it's Black Series figure 16, Clone Commander Neo.
1: I still have a touch of clone media.
2: The Clone Wars didn't help when we were getting clone after clone in the animated style, made it feel like it never really stopped. And this is a bit of a retool of the Clone Trooper figure we got in 2011. And we've had Neo before, but what we didn't have, I don't believe, is a removable helmet Neo.
1: Oh, see, I'm always afraid because I always rip their heads off when I try that. So I wait until I give them the okay.
2: Well- On Neo's face is some Arabesh writing, but initially I couldn't tell that was Arabesh. It looked like numbers. And as a lot of Hasbro figures have serial numbers printed on their legs, I thought somebody in China really messed up and printed the serial number in green ink on his face.
1: I thought his mascara was running. (laughs) Interesting. I'm glad I asked before just ripping his head off. He's got a different hairstyle than the usual clone head, too.
2: Yeah, they gave him a unique head there. And I did have to go to JediTempleArchives.com and check the research droid reviews to find out that this tattoo is actually there. And it's Hasbro doing a great attention to detail. We'd never seen him take his helmet off, but per EU sources, he had that tattoo there. So they did that. Now, he doesn't come with a bunch of accessories. He just comes with a basic blaster. And again, when we're dealing with clones, I always think of them as having just this massive armory. And so just a blaster feels a little bit underarmed.
1: Yeah, but if he's like a commander, he's got some underlings that do the big heavy shooting for him, right? He just gives orders.
2: But he does have a good deal of articulation with this body, and they did a good job making him look dirty his entire figure looks like it was dry brushed
1: i agree this one was really good compared to where it does look like he is actually dirty i do like how he has his own personal logo on every piece of his armor so no one else steals his armor <laughs> the one thing they could have done is made his helmet a little more dirty because yes. it sticks out like a sore thumb and maybe the back of him. the back of him is like stark white with his little backpack i, I Would imagine
2: that gets dirty too. I thought at first that the helmet was a totally different color than the body, and it just turns out that the wash was uneven.
1: Yeah, it looks like they didn't do the accessories because it looks like the backpack is a separate piece as well. Well, no, it's connected to the front chest. But somehow they just didn't weather
2: it because they didn't weather the belt either. Well, the belt is its own piece. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't do that. That was put on after the fact. It's attached to the shoulder straps and everything. And the helmet has some dirt on it. But, I mean, this is a very good realistic upgrade of Neo. And I'd, again, give it a 7 out of 10. I'm not super excited. I think a couple extra big guns would have amped him up. But then again, I... I think when we saw him in episode three, he was riding a bark speeder and then he just got fleshed out a little bit in the Clone Wars. Now, the next one we have is a Nikto gunner named Vism. And this is the one who you could see on the sail barge, grab the big gun and shoot at Luke. But what I found is very odd is he came with that gun. I never really thought that that gun was a free carrying gun. I thought that was part of the skiff.
1: I thought it was too.
2: But he comes with a big gun.
1: And very loose pieces.
2: Well, that was his hat.
1: Well, it's because he's got a funny-shaped head.
2: And it's a gun we've seen before, and really, this figure feels like one we have before. They released Nikto Gunner several years ago with this very gun, and now here we have Vism, which is a much more movie-accurate version of the Nikto Gunner.
1: His hat does not stand very well at all. So he's not one you want to play with unless you want to lose the hat.
2: Yeah, he has that sliding off quite a bit. And
1: I'm sorry, but his gun is foul.
2: He also has a much smaller blaster that you can have him hold. But that big gun, yeah, it took a, again, I had to look online to figure out how is he supposed to hold this gun? Because you had to bring his arms in a little bit. He is well articulated so that he's able to hold the gun really well. I love how much sculpting went into the face. Jedi Temple Archives tells me that this is the same head and hands that we got just two years ago for Nikto skiff guard in the vintage collection, but it's a really good sculpt. I don't think I looked that closely at that figure to realize that. This is a kit bash of a couple figures we've had before, and the result is a figure that is well done that I never really realized I needed because they've done so many Nikto guards.
1: Never thought you'd hear you say that, that they've done so many Nikto guards.
2: I remember picking up the Klatu Barada Nikto battle pack way back in like ninety-six or ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. But I mean while they reused the head and hands, the body is all new. They did a great job with the leg wraps. I think the paint job on them's really good. The gun's a little bit weird and it comes with this little thing like it could attach to a sail barge, but Hasbro has said they are never making a sail barge.
1: Yeah, they are never making it.
2: But if you have one of the skiffs from either the Pit or Carcoon target pack or way back in Power of the Force when they did the skiff, Mm -hmm. I believe this will hook onto that.
1: I would feel very bad for him having to hold that and fire.
2: So I'd give this figure a solid nine. I can't think of anything else I'd want out of this figure.
1: A sail barge to put his gun on?
2: Don't fuel those fires. That's going to happen around the same time as I get my Tonica sisters. (laughs) Meaning never. The next figure, well, I just want to start by saying I love James Lucino's Darth Plagueis book. I thought it was a great book.
1: (laughs) It's not good when you have to start out with a disclaimer.
2: Well, the problem is George Lucas himself said that Darth Plagueis was a moon. And the moons were the banking clan guys and so when you take the master of the master of evil the one who taught the emperor everything he knows and then you come out and say he's got this silly little head oh my god it just (laughs) it's a bit of a disconnect for me it would be like saying that The most evil in the world is of the same species as Jackson, the bunny rabbit from the early Marvel comics. We'll talk about Marvel comics in a bit. But it's just a species choice that I think undermines the intimidation factor of the character. And while James Lucino wrote him very well as a banker and as this super intelligent, super evil, super manipulative guy, a really tough guy, you gotta read that book. anytime you start putting this character in a three-dimensional form, it's going to fall a little flat for me just based on that species. Well, I guess if you look at Ian McDermott though,
1: he's not a threatening looking man, except when he's got his monkey face.
2: Yeah, he's not, and I understand that's what they're going for, but by the same token, I was intimidated by the Emperor in 1983. Admittedly, I was eight, but I thought he was pretty scary in that big cloak.
1: This guy's making nightmares. I mean, come on. Look at that head. Look at those long legs. He's the one scary guy.
2: He's very spindly. If you take the cloak off, he's got a soft goods cloak. If you take that cloak off, He's got a really stick body. He
1: does. It's kind of funny. He reminds me of somebody, but I can't figure out who he reminds me of. Not like a Star Wars character, but character from something else.
2: See, he reminded me a little bit of Gasgano, the four-armed pod racer pilot from episode one. That's oh, what I, I was thinking of. When I was taking pictures of him with the cloak off, it just reminded me of that thin, spindly body. But I'll give them some credit because in the book it discusses how he underwent some injuries and had to wear this breathing mask. You can take this character and it comes with the breathing mask. You can pop the head off and take the breathing mask off and see the full face or you can put the breathing mask on and it covers his chin and mouth and with such a tiny little head, I mean, that is some sculpting to get a breathing mask that covers just a small portion of it.
1: That is some incredible sculpting. It's kind of crooked
2: on his face, maybe it kind of it fits on there.
1: Okay. Hmm, I have not read this
2: book yet. It's a good book. It's not your standard adventure book. It is a little bit more of a potboiler.
1: I can't tell if they got the likeness spot on or not since he only exists in pictures, you know?
2: Yeah, drawings, animation. Yeah. I, I know that Chris Travis did a great art piece of him training Darth Sidious. Now, he comes with two accessories, one of which is, of course, a lightsaber, a nice Sith red lightsaber. The other of which is a staff that, again, I didn't really remember from anything. I looked online. I couldn't even find too many pictures of him holding it. So I was a little bit confused by that. I can't remember if it was in the book because I read that book over a year ago now. And because of his spindly legs, tiny feet, I had a real hard time standing him up Too the cloak kind of. Off-balances him a little bit. He needs a figure stand for sure.
1: Maybe that's what the staff is for.
2: That does help. Make him
1: a tripod. (laughs) Just kind of point it down like a walking stick.
2: No, that doesn't work either. Okay, sorry. But I think given the importance of this character, the way he was name-dropped in Episode 3, I love that they made him. I know they only made him because we were supposed to be getting episode 3 in 3D and everybody would be talking about Darth Plagueis again. But I feel like he's really an EU figure and that is so rare here. And it, Hasbro did a great job with the outfit and everything. I mean, this is completely going off of concept art. This is a all new design. I disagree with the character choice, but for what Hasbro had to work with, or the species choice really. I don't disagree with the character choice, just that they made him a moon I'm going to give this figure a 9 out of 10. I just wish he came with a figure stand.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have nothing to go on as far just conceptualizations and whatever you have in your head. How did he live up to what you had in your head?
2: You see, I just, even though I knew intellectually he was a moon when I'm reading the book, I pictured him as a human. Hmm. I just never.
1: They are kind of a human looking species, though. They just have really long faces.
2: And narrow faces. Like their heads could stick out between prison bars. And that's about all it's useful for. I don't know what evolutionarily that head comes from. But they did a great job with the sculpting of that body. And it's an all-new figure, an EU figure. I'm excited by getting a character we didn't have before. And I'm real happy with what they did with him. The final figure in the wave is Mace Windu. And it's a realistically styled Clone Wars animated series Mace Windu. Which confused me a little bit because... I wasn't quite sure what I was getting because he comes with the arm armor that the Jedi wear in the Clone Wars. I don't know exactly why Jedi, the most powerful warriors in the entire galaxy, decided during the Intergalactic War that they needed to pick up some clone discarded parts and wear them on their arms.
1: Well, they certainly don't deflect anything. Look how fast clones go down and stormtroopers.
2: But... I understand from an animation standpoint, they couldn't make the robes flow right, so they needed to have hard armor.
1: Oh, that's why?
2: Yeah. Oh. But the other thing that kind of confuses me is he came with Django Fett's helmet. And I don't remember that specific episode that he's from, but I don't think he was carrying this helmet around. I'm pretty sure he left it on Geonosis.
1: I'd hope so. That's kind of a gruesome souvenir to take, isn't it?
2: But here we have an interesting character because... It's a realistic interpretation of an animated style. So it doesn't look like Sam Jackson, but should it? Because the cartoon didn't look like Sam Jackson either.
1: I'm very confused on this. I don't know what I think it should look like. It kind of looks like Sam Jackson, but it kind of doesn't. I don't like the clone armor on him, though. And I don't like his white turtleneck underneath his robes. I don't like the white with it. And then he's only got the arm and the elbow pads on.
2: I don't know, I just... But that's how they drew him. Uh I mean, that's again going back to the art direction of the Clone Wars itself.
1: Did we need realistic representations of the Clone Wars characters, which were real people to begin with, then they made them cartoon form, and then they turned around and made them into realistic form based on the cartoon form?
2: What's really funny to me is if you'd asked me that in 2008, everybody was saying yes, we were all upset that they were going with the animated styling because the characters just didn't look right when you put them next to the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of action figures that we'd been buying for 23 years. But Hasbro beat us down. And I guess we got Munchausen syndrome because (laughs) by the end, they started taking away the animated style figures. And people were like, but no, I have the animated style figures and I want the animated style now.
1: I guess it's a do we need it kind of thing.
2: Now- Again, thanks to Jedi Temple Archives for the background. This Mace Windu body is basically a body we've been getting since 2007 and 2011. This is new arms and a new head to go with the Clone Wars, but we've seen this before, which explains why he has the kind of older ankle articulation and just doesn't bend all that well.
1: Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed is I'm so used to... Testing all the articulation. The ankles just aren't good on that. But then I guess what do you need? Because he's not super articulated.
2: He's got good articulation. He just doesn't have great articulation. And he only has soft goods on the bottom half as the bottom part of the tunic.
1: And it doesn't match. That's the part about doing that is it doesn't look good. It looks like he's got a skirt on. Because it's not even the same shade or color family as the top.
2: Yeah. I was happy they gave us a lightsaber hilt that filts on the belt in addition to the ignited lightsaber. It's a nice touch I always like to have. But overall, this is the figure that kind of excites me the least, but I still like it. The thing is, I made fun of Jedi picking up leftover clone armor. But when Gennady Tartakovsky had Obi-Wan in the clone armor with the big cape in his original animated micro series, I loved that aesthetic. I bought the Gentle Giant statue. I bought the Gentle Giant bust. I customized a figure. I actually customized it back then because I had time and always look to improve it so i seeing the white armor on the arms takes me back to that
1: but it's not as epic it's not epic at all the obi-wan kenobi in the clone armor is epic it looked epic
2: the cape helped a lot
1: yes the cape made it look epic it differentiated it between the luke and han and the stormtrooper armor it looked good that looks ridiculous well it, it's I... a limitation of animation That's why he's wearing it. It's not a style choice. The Obi-Wan thing was a style choice, and it meant something.
2: I'll give this figure a 6. That's fair enough. It's not a bad figure, but only if you're really into the Clone Wars and want the realistic figures do you need this instead of the multitude of Mace Windu figures we've been getting since Episode 1. Now, that is it for Wave 3. We still got Wave 3 of the 6-inch Black Series coming out. That we need to get our hands on. Only three figures in that wave. Now, I've seen Target stores after Christmas just back up with these six-inch figures. And mostly what I'm finding, though, Slave Leia and Greedo. Those Hmm. are the ones not moving. That's odd. I'm glad that Han wasn't among them, though, because Han is the reshipping figure. Of course, Boba Fett's still disappearing as soon as he touches ground. But... I was worried that we were really going to see Han shelf warm, but that I've only really seen Greedo and Slave Leia and not Han makes me think that maybe the Wave 3 cases will come through. That said, for them to hit stores, at at least my targets need their Greedos and Slave Leias to sell. I don't think any target near us is going to be putting out more six inch figures for a while
1: do you remember the days when you'd go buy the figures to get them to put out new figures and return
2: them only happened once but yeah, yeah i remember that so if you want your wave three figures you can check stores or head online it is sold out already at brian's toys star wars action news sponsor brian's toys but They do have lots of other stuff you can get, including Wave 2 of the Black Series. And you can get the new Gentle Giant 12-inch Jumbo Dengar figure. Dengar was a figure I always liked as a kid for reasons I couldn't quite understand. I think I liked his big gun and his backpack.
1: He seems very unthreatening because he has a head wound, it appears.
2: I also you, you thought he had a mole.
1: Yeah, you feel he's lame because he's got his head wrapped when really it's just part of his outfit. So you think, oh, look at the nice man with a head injury.
2: Also, if you're looking to backfill any of the master replicas, prop replicas, they have a number of saber hilts as well as the Snow Speeder prop replica and the clone trooper Revenge of the Sith Helmet, all at Brian's Toys. And remember when checking out at Brian's Toys to mention that you were referred to them by Star Wars Action News. Also for online shopping, I don't buy all of the one six scale figures, but Jason over at Yak Face gets them all and he alerted us that I was complaining a little bit that Sideshow was shipping so much before Christmas, One-six scale Star Wars collectors have a lot to worry about right after the holidays as the deluxe Darth Vader, the Commander Wolf, and the Darth Malgus were all prepping to ship in January.
1: You know, you start doing flex pay because it takes the surprise out of when things actually ship because it may ship six months from the date it's originally supposed to ship, so... Right now, you'd have three hitting your cards and be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Well, do the flex pay and it works out so much better because you usually have it paid off or they take just one final payment when it's done and it's not, you know, a ton of money coming out of your checking account unexpected.
2: Now, the opposite of that is I could take that exact same money and put it in an interest bearing account. And thus, I'd be making the interest off the money instead of Sideshow. But you won't. No, I won't.
1: I mean, come on, that would be... <laughs> you'd have to have some great reserve to be able to do that, to just think, okay, here's my $28.99 going in my Sideshow money account. But that's not what's going to happen.
2: Oh, how I wish any of my payments were only $28.99.
1: Oh, they're not? I don't want to know.
2: No, you don't want to know. But I did get a Sideshow collectible myself. One that I'd been waiting for, one that I'd been excited about, one that I ordered the day it went online, the premium format, Mighty Chewbacca.
1: I have to say this Chewbacca, and I know it took a long time for them to get to the Chewbacca.
2: And they said that they were waiting to figure out exactly how to do them. and They the- figured
1: it out. He looks good. All the way from his weird Chewbacca toes, which I never noticed he had toenails, and the weathering and the... I guess not weathering, the striations in his color and how they got the fur. So it actually, it doesn't look like fur necessarily. I mean, it looks like a statue, but they've got it in such a way that it's realistic. And his, all the way up to his face, he has the creepiest eyes and not in a bad way creepy. They just look so real. It's I, good.
2: I was really struck by his blue eyes because that's such a feature of Chewbacca. I mean... When you look at it, Peter Mayhew was in a pretty limiting costume that had slight mouth movement, but it was those eyes that really sold you that there was a living creature there. And mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew did so much to make Chewbacca feel like a character and not a guy walking for a carpet. And I think that they did the best eyes they've ever done on a premium format here with Chewbacca.
1: I honestly want to just reach out and touch his cold, wet puppy dog nose. Isn't that funny? It looks just like the dog's nose. It's
2: high, high gloss.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. The teeth, the lips, everything. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. He's got a Bespin base. I forget about that.
2: He does have a Bespin base that has a gimmicky light up feature. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really feel like I need a light-up feature there. It actually makes the base feel cheaper because it's a lightweight plastic versus a really nice polystone.
1: The problem with these is that you have to then take out the batteries.
2: It didn't come with any, so I had to put them in to start with.
1: Well, all right, then you have to take them out. Just go with me on
2: it. But mostly the premium format is defined by a combination of soft goods and polystone. And with Chewbacca, he is mostly polystone. The only soft goods I could really find on him are... On his pouch, and then on the regular arm, the bandolier strap of his bowcaster.
1: I, honestly, until I just touched it, because, you know, I'm afraid to touch your things, Real- didn't realize that this his man's carry-all or Chewbacca carry-all, wiki carry-all, was actually cloth. And so is his his bandolier's polystone.
2: Yeah, the rest of him is sculpted, but I own quite a lot of premium format figures now from Sideshow. And because they mostly wear cloth outfits... I don't see the bodies a whole lot, but even the ones I do, I'm going to go out here and say, of all the sideshow items I've ever bought, this one is the most intricately sculpted with all that hair. And the hair's going in different directions. I mean, he looks like he could use a grooming, quite honestly. If this was our dog, I'd be like that first in all different directions and a little longer in places and a little shorter in places. And from the face that looks like it just popped off my Blu-ray set, to this body, which a little bigfooty. I never really got Bigfoot from Chewbacca, but I kind of get it from his pose here. He's almost like that tape.
1: The Patterson film of Bigfoot.
2: Yeah, because he's kind of hunched over and he's got his knees bent. It made me think of that a little bit, but it's just so well sculpted, which isn't to say I can't nitpick a couple of things like where the hair meets up with the bandolier strap It doesn't quite flow entirely right. It's like it melds with the bandolier strap in a couple of places.
1: However, if someone who probably just didn't pay what you paid for this would come in, they're not going to notice that.
2: No, I'm just, I'm taking macro shots of this and looking for everything to see so we can review it here. And I noticed that. The other thing is the differentiation of color on his fur. I never noticed Chewbacca was going gray before
1: sounds kind of like a Yorkie so yeah it makes sense that he has like the silver in him but he's always remind me of a Yorkie
2: and I just never really I guess looked at Chewbacca's feet if we can even see them in the movie I'm imagining there's some shots but man dude needs a petty.
1: He does. He's got some
2: funk going on. Now, I was able to get the exclusive edition, and the exclusive piece on this is massive, because Chewbacca comes in three parts. You get the body, and then his head is held on with a magnet, and then his right arm is held on with a magnet, and it's the right arm from shoulder to tip of gun that is swap out. The regular one comes with his bowcaster, which I actually think is a little bit nicer. It's more iconic. It's got a Cloth strap with this tiny little delicate buckle on it. Really well done.
1: I really would advocate putting on the bowcasters when I think of Chewbacca. That's what I think of. I mean, that's what he had. That and the bandolier. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing.
2: But the exclusive accessory is the giant blaster rifle. And it's just a huge extra accessory, given that they don't charge anymore for the exclusive edition. They just make less of them. And there's quite a few of these. There's a 1,000 edition size on the exclusive edition, which is pretty high. And the exclusive edition is still available from Sideshow. It's $384.99 in stock right now. Oh, that's
1: a lot less than I thought you paid for him. So I'm glad that that was how much he was. But he looks like he'd be, like, I was thinking six to $800 range. Just because I know that this sculpting and everything, the detail work that they had to put into him wasn't cheap. And whoever did it was phenomenal. I really like how they did his hair.
2: Yeah, and he is tall. I actually measured him. He is 23 inches tall. Hmm. He is to scale with the other premium format figures at the one quarter scale. And it does help again that he's not human. But this is right up there as one of the top three Star Wars premium format figures I've ever bought. And those top three in no particular order... Are the original Darth Vader with the light-up lightsaber and the mouse droid. Mm Mm-hmm. General Grievous. Oh, yes. General Grievous. The one that made me decide I was going to take the plunge into premium formats, even though I was making barely above minimum wage and it was $500. Mm Mm-hmm. And now Chewbacca is in the top three of their premium format offerings.
1: Yeah. He's just tremendous. He really is. A lot of work went into it, and I can respect why they wanted to take so long to get it right. Yeah. And they did it.
2: And he was a little bit delayed in shipping. I've come to expect that anyway.
1: Oh, come on. What shows up on time?
2: <laughs> but I did flex pay him, and I'm really glad I didn't hesitate because sometimes I've been hit or miss and I've been passing on some of their premium format figures in the Star Wars line recently. But this one, they knocked it out of the park. This is my first high end Star Wars collectible of 2014, and it's an amazing one. And For those who have been listening for a long time, I'm also happy to report, no damage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what else I just noticed, too? He's got a palm. You don't see it in the movie. He's got a palm holding the gun, the bottom of the gun.
2: Yeah, and they really went in, I mean, on both the interchangeable arms. They even molded a finger or sculpted a finger around the trigger of the gun.
1: It's all these things you never think of with Chewbacca.
2: The thing that, again, if I'm nitpicking, because the arm is the switch-out part, neither gun touches that palm that's out there like it's holding the gun. In real life, I'm pretty sure he was holding the gun with two hands, but in this pose... It's hovering, like, I guess in scale it would be hovering two inches above his hand rather than in his hand.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I just thought it was resting on the front, to be honest, from where I'm sitting and looking at it.
2: Yeah, it's all about your angle from it. But this guy looks good at all angles, but there's a specific one when his face is right onto you, which is at about, a, would say, a one-eighth angle, that it just looks like the movie has popped off the screen and onto your desk which is why we buy these collectibles Mm -hmm. is because that's what we want we want the movies not in 3d like the 3d releases that were canceled but in 3d representations on our desk and this chewbacca does that and i cannot wait to get him out and i have the han solo It's a good Han Solo. It's not a great Han Solo. It'll take Chewbacca down a notch by putting the Han Solo with him. But I can't wait to get the two together out on display because Chewbacca is a showcase. He's a centerpiece item.
1: Yeah, but what are you going to do to make Han tremendous?
2: A good Harrison Ford likeness. Yeah. That's what they could have done. You're right. If you want to get Chewbacca, again, he is still available. And we would appreciate you using the sideshow link from the Star Wars Action News homepage. At SWActionNews.com, it does help support our show, but while we are an affiliate, again, if you've been listening throughout 2013, you know we are honest with our reviews of the products, and we are honest when we have troubles, but um, New Year, clean slate, great product, Chewbacca. And Sideshow also had a big announcement for Star Wars of a new line of collectibles coming, Macquarie Star Wars.
1: Hmm, Is Macquarie coming back in again? Well, while
2: he had that peak of popularity around the 30th anniversary, I can say he never went out. I mean, every design we look at came from his mind based on Lucas's descriptions. And I'm interested to see what they're doing. I mean, all they said was Macquarie, Star Wars, and Sideshow. Are these 1-6 scale figures in a Macquarie style? Are they going to be statues? If statues, what scale? Are they going to be premium format figures in the Macquarie style? Are they going to be mythos? Are they going to be a new scale? Are they going to be the smaller dioramas? To me, cost is everything. And so I really want to know, because I'm in for a Darth Vader Macquarie statue. I'm not so much sure how I'd feel about 1-6 scale figures. The soft goods on them and such, I'd really want to see detailed pics of that. But if they do a Macquarie Vader statue, I've got the Kotobukiya, Hell, I bought the FX Collectibles prop replica helmet. I love that from the original novel where it had the helmet there. If they came out with it, especially if it had swap out heads like they did on the Hasbro figure, I would get that. Be it premium format for four or 500 or be it a smaller, lower price point. Life size? All right, I'm out. That's $10,000.
1: Why would you need it life size? It only existed on paper.
2: Yeah, if you own a comic shop, that's where people say like the life-sized Darth Malagus comes in and things. As if you have a high-end comic shop and you want to bring people in, that's where you could use that. But when you get beyond the Vader, the Vader's my favorite Macquarie design. Stormtrooper is up there because I love that they had lightsabers and shields. That's just really cool. R2 and 3PO, all right, that's very good Metropolis-inspired 3PO and R2-D2 with the third arm. Okay, maybe, depends on price. But then you go a little further and you get to Starkiller, Killer where Luke Skywalker looked like George Lucas on paper down to the beard, (laughs) or when Luke was a woman, and the kind of odd-looking Chewbacca... Those are all things that I would not spend hundreds of dollars on. I love having my Hasbro figures of them. I'd buy a Gentle Giant Mini Bust for 70 bucks, but I'm not going to buy a premium format McQuarrie Chewbacca. That's me. Maybe somebody feels about Macquarie's Chewbacca the way I feel about McQuarrie's Vader. And that could it, be.
1: It's a very niche thing. So I'm surprised that they're taking it on now when we're not tying it into anything. I mean, the time to do it was the 30th anniversary, I guess the 40th is coming up in a few years.
2: The 40th is coming. Oh, we're old. More than that, again, treading water. They've done the major characters. You can get more and more niche. You could give me a premium format Gorito. I'd buy it. Premium format Bosque. Mary Franklin would buy it. But you go more and more niche. Or you go with these designs and are able to give classic characters in a totally new way that... Is a niche not being filled anymore. There's not Macquarie figures out right now. The Macquarie busts, Gentle Giant's been milking them at one per year perfect pace in my mind and so it's a good time to do it because when episode seven comes out that's what they're going to be focusing all their efforts towards lucasfilm disney everybody's going to want the focus being on episode seven the hype will be on episode seven all the offerings are going to be episode seven now might be the only time they're able to devote the resources to it Plus, you know how long it took them to do Chewbacca. They show us teases of things at the San Diego Comic-Con and things that we don't see again for years, like the premium format R2. That was a good year before it went up for pre-order. We saw uh animatic of it two years before that product was released. Maybe after the 30th anniversary and they saw... All the Macquarie hype is when they started the designs and they're just now getting ready to start the pre-orders. But it's something I'm going to be watching, you know, as the Emperor says, with great interest. And speaking of new lines, at StarWars.com, the Rebels toy line, which I'm sure we're going to be seeing more of at Toy Fair in New York.
1: Yes, I'm sure it's going to be the highlight of the Star Wars.
2: Well, they've shown images of the first figure and it is going to be
1: the Inquisitor. It's the Empire's jedi hunter and he's apparently the major new villain
2: we kind of saw some images of him early on so he's definitely a focus point of their early promotional materials until i see the show i have no affinity for the character i have no affinity for the look they are again doing the animated style i mean there were two big things in the press release about this and the first is it is sculpted in the art style of the series the rebels figure line is going to match what you see on the screen and again not fit in with your old action figures but will fit in with your clone Wars stuff pretty much
1: and the figures are going to have five points of articulation not five and more it is solely five points of articulation
2: yeah it is going to be the lower end saga legends type of figure for the kids is who they aim it at it's not going to be super articulated so in that way It may not fit in with your Clone Wars figures so well, because they had some pretty good articulation, especially in the later waves of those figures. But we will be seeing more of that in Toy Fair in just a couple of weeks. But finally, the biggest piece of news this week...
1: Hmm, This was huge news. Amazingly huge. I think it rocked your world, but we all knew something was coming.
2: We knew this was coming. I actually didn't have my world rocked. It was like... Finally, you're finally announcing this. I'm glad you're finally announcing it. A little behind the scenes news we recorded our year in review shows around Christmas time. And so this news came out actually before our last episode. So when we were discussing what will happen, we were discussing it a few days after this big announcement. But the announcement is Marvel Comics, owned by Disney Corp, in 2015 will be the exclusive publisher of Star Wars comics owned by Disney Corp.
1: keeping it all in the family which makes sense however you wonder about the stories and if it's gonna be kept up or they just gonna start a new like the reboots what's gonna happen and we can probably begin to see more of these references on ABC shows if you don't watch ABC you will see plenty of Marvel and Star Wars references maybe there will be comic references now
2: yes I have a feeling. I don't know if ABC would allow it because each arm has its own business people and things, but I wouldn't be surprised if the two little boys from Modern Family are watching Star Wars Rebels on this episode next fall. But yeah, it does make sense. I mean, Disney is all about profit. Why pay somebody to do it when you can do it yourself and make the money? Why trust politicians to do it when you can just put them in your own pocket and make them make the laws you want? I mean, that's how Disney rolls.
1: Disney's gonna own everything soon. Pretty soon the presidential election's gonna be sponsored by Disney.
2: They've already got some senators, why not? Yeah. At least they had Sonny Bono. I don't keep up with Disney politics beyond that. And Sonny Bono's dead, so they don't have him anymore. Or maybe they keep him in the vault with Walt. But the thing is, for me, I love the stuff Dark Horse did with the comics. Dark Empire, Crimson Empire, Knights of the Old Republic. Tales of the Jedi, I mean, there are so many great comics, and especially the 90s when Star Wars EU was really launching. The stuff Dark Horse did was must-reads for me and was really part of my Star Wars and how I envisioned the Star Wars universe. Dark Horse shaped that. Far more than Marvel did. I eventually went back and reread the Marvel comics and found them, you know, they were of the time, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) They were of the time.
2: When Han Solo's cavorting with the Trix rabbit, I mean, you know, it's of the time. But that's the key is, it's Star Wars going home to Marvel. Marvel was the first ones to print Star Wars comics. And it was a risk at the time. And it was a risk that paid off handily because Marvel Comics was having some financial trouble. Star Wars helped save Marvel Comics. And if you look at comics in general, with Star Wars, when you think of the classic ones, it's the Marvel. And what do I get a great joy out of when they release the cloth fabric? My iPad case, which is made of the fabric, I always just love it when they reuse this old classic Star Wars Marvel art.
1: And if you happen to see me at a convention in 2014, hit me up for a special gift.
2: Yes. You have some Marvel comics that you're making buttons out of. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that these new comics are going to be modern like Dark Horse did. They're not going to go back and start all of a sudden using this 1970s art style and being totally retro. It's going to be modern comics by modern artists and all of that. But... It's not like this is completely new. And what's going to happen to the continuity, it's going to happen to the continuity no matter who's publishing it. Because new movies are coming that take place after the original saga. And Lucasfilm would always be dictating the types of tie-ins we get. So Dark Horse had a great run with them. I think they did some great comics. I also think they did some crappy comics. I mean, everybody does. But... It is going back to Marvel starting in 2015. That's where I really feel bad for Dark Horse is in January 2014. They announced that in January 2015, Marvel is going to be publishing them. It's like the longest walk of shame ever. (laughs) It's like Dark Horse left their shoes in the guy's apartment and still has to get back to their (laughs) dorm room.
1: And then she left her cell phone. (laughs) And oh, God, this is so awkward.
2: (laughs) And I do wonder what that means for Dark Horse. I mean, they're... PR guys there, Aub, has been really good to us and we get all their press releases and we've covered a couple of their non-Star Wars comics over in our blog at the Gazette. And I know they've got tons and tons of titles and they've got a huge staple and roster of comics. But for me, Dark Horse has always been licensed properties. I first heard of Dark Horse because they were doing Aliens versus Predator comics. And then I started to really pay attention to Dark Horse because they were doing Star Wars comics. So I do wonder, you know, how big of a blow this is for Dark Horse. They had to have seen it coming. They had to have been working on it. I imagine that there is must be a tough business decision too on how many resources to devote to Star Wars for the next year. Taking the last money they can get and fulfilling any contractual obligations versus trying to strengthen the staple of the stuff that's going to be there still in 2015 and beyond. But to all of the writers, artists, everyone who worked at Dark Horse, thank you for almost 20 great years. And on that note, that's the end of our show for this week.
1: We'll be back in two weeks, which is almost Toy Fair time.
2: Yeah, we'll be back February 3rd with news and reviews at that time.
1: Have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, Jedi Archives.com, and Yakface.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. Graphic design by Chris. Image editing by Jay. Podcast enhancement by Andrew, Shane, Daryl, and Barrett. Associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you.
2: So stuff moves. It moves. Yep. <laughs> maru mama. Maru Ah. Do 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 Maru maru. Do 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 Maru do 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 I wouldn't be surprised if the little boys from Family Matter are watching Star Wars Rebels at some point.
1: Arnie, but Family Matters hasn't been on for 20 years.
2: I'm sorry, I meant Modern Family.
1: (laughs) Did I do that?